go. Hello, you are listening to the Once Upon a Stream podcast. I'm your host, Maddie Shook, along with my co-host, Megan Mann. Hello. And this is our final Christmas episode of the month. Already. Because Christmas is almost here. In just a few days. Just one more work day. I just have to get through one more work day. (laughs) Just one more day in retail. Just one. Bless. We're almost there. (laughs) And today... I think I think we saved the best for last of this month. I think so. Because we are talking a Muppet Christmas Carol. Which is it, fantastic. I haven't watched it in a very, very long time. It holds up. It does. Like, big time. It really does. So Megan, what's your what's your background with the Muppets? I loved the Muppets when I was a little kid. Do you ever did you ever watch the show Muppet Babies? Vaguely, it was a little bit before my time, but oh, we're bringing the age back into it! Wow, I, I always feel guilty bringing it back up. But <laughs> I was talking to a mutual friend of ours that is nine years older than me, and we were talking about Star Wars, and I was like, "Yeah, I was like a first grader when that Phantom Menace came out." She's like, "I hate you." <laughs> <laughs> so when I was little. I used to love watching Muppet Babies, and one of my favorite things about going to Disney World was going and doing the Muppets show, and Muppet Vision 3D, <laughs> and I loved the plastic pink glasses that they give you, that I always felt like such a rebel taking, I was like, they're not gonna notice, and I think I have like five different pairs at home, but I loved it, because it's so so cheesy and fun in the best way and it never gets old like every time I've gone to Disney World it's still one of my favorites it's still one of my favorites and I watched all the Muppet movies when I was younger uh and I loved them what about you that it's very interesting I would say I was much more of like growing up and stuff like a casual Muppet consumer because Mm -hmm. um remember as far as this movie which we will get into and Muppet Treasure Island I remember loving and then as far as watch the movie that came out I want to say 2011 I think it was 2011 around there with Amy Adams and Jason Siegel which he loved them so much that he wanted to make them into a into a movie again Yeah, but what actually made me kind of have a newfound appreciation for the Muppets and now do like this and Disney Plus and hopefully the Muppet Show will end up on Disney Plus at some point. I'm going to request that title. But um, so I, no shocker here, I'm really into theme park stuff and one of the YouTube channels that I am a huge fan of is Defunct Land, which talks about as far as um, theme park attractions that are no longer with us, but he has an offshoot as far as called Defunct TV, we're kind of talking about children's entertainment and like kind of old nostalgic TV shows and stuff. And, but he kind of used that 
that kind of side series to pretty much kind of create a docuseries on Jim Henson's life and the work that he created over his lifetime. So starting with like the local TV spots that he did to Muppet Show, to Sesame Street, to Fraggle Rock, and to then his overarching legacy of kind of tying in with like Muppet Vision 3D and like the Disney deal and all of that. And so getting... I cannot re- recommend Defunct Land as a channel enough. It, without hyperbole, I would say it's one of the most entertaining, like, in well-researched things I've ever watched in, like, recent years, that if you're a documentary fan, that go watch his videos. But on that side, like, kind of side loop, but it got me as far as really into just the appreciation and the artistry that is behind these little fell creatures that make us feel things. A lot of things. A lot of things, but they, it can be used, they kind of getting into Muppet Christmas Carol, that this is still a great adaptation of no, a classic really work is. of literature. It really is. It's fantastic. I just love the moment when Gonzo's like, because Riz is like, is this too dark for the kid? And they're like, it's culture. It's called that. I had to pause it. And I was laughing so hard because that comment was so ridiculous because that's kind of how people justify a lot of things when they say, is this too dark for a kid to be watching? It's culture. They need to know this sort of thing. It's not my fault. I don't make the rules. It's classic literature. And I feel one thing I really like about the Muppets is that like now that it is technically a part of the Disney like overarching family of companies and IP and brands and all of that right but Muppets is a little bit more mature but not in a but not in a cynical DreamWorks way in like just that it's like smarter because it's still very funny like, oh, it's still really funny. Like, I like the part um, when he's but, with the Ghost of Christmas present and he sees Bob Cratchit greet his wife and Miss Piggy grab... You can tell she's grabbing his butt. You can. You Piggy can, goes for it. Yeah, she goes for it because he jumps and you're like, okay, well, she just grabbed his butt and I appreciate that. Piggy loves her man. She does. Or frog, I, in this case. <laughs> and I love that. And I thought... I love that they... They do that, and it's tasteful, and it's simple. But, like, the reason why this holds up so well is that it's not, like, cheap, like, pop culture jokes and just all referential and not overly meta and, right like, in on itself. That just the humor is timeless, and right. that the thing I love the most about Muppet Christmas Carol is that it is the perfect balance of it's funny when it needs to be funny, but also what elevates that humor is that the rest of it is taking it all so seriously. Right. And there's even like moments where they're fighting against each other. Like when the Marley brothers come and see Jacob Marley when I'm sorry, not Jacob Marley, when they come to see Ebenezer and they're in all their chains and it's, it's a haunting moment and always has been in the book and the plays and all of that but also it's Statler and Waldorf and, and they're so. hilarious they're like duh we're in change bah, 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 bah. And, and they had snazzy songs they do the, oh, 
we'll get to the songs. But in that moment, he's like freaking out because he's seeing these ghosts and they're cracking jokes and he's taking everything so seriously. So there are even parts where the two are fighting against each other. And it that, works. That, but it works because then it makes the funny part funnier as well because like you because what I love about both this and Muppet Treasure Island is then you have these brilliantly talented um as far as like the people who operate the Muppets and do the voices and all of that they are so good at what they do so but then but you kind of need the human element to bounce off of it as well Mm -hmm. and so as far as Treasure Island you have the majestic Tim Curry as Long John Silver to play off <laughs> of that but in this you have Michael Caine and what you can never say without doing an impression of his name no no but no Mosh Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> you either do Alfred or you do Victor from his congeniality but it's we don't make the rules we just follow these are just the things that happen. But Michael Caine is a very gifted actor. Very gifted. And I would have to Google this to confirm, but my guess is classically trained because basically most British actors are. And Yeah, they're generally speaking. Generally speaking. So, like, he's an actor. But the fact that he signed up for this, but is also, like... I'm still going to play it straight. Right. He said in an interview with GQ in 2016, he said that he um, wanted to make a movie that his daughter could see, and she was seven at the time. And so he said, okay, I want to make a movie she can see, and someone mentioned The Muppets, and he's like, yep, that's it. That's what I'll do. And um, he says he loves it. His kids love it. His grandkids love it. Um and then he said he was going to, you know, do the best that he could possibly do. And he wanted to make it as intense as any other adaptation. He knew he wanted it to be funny, but he knew he wanted it to be serious. And he wanted to make it like, oh, okay, these are... Because Ebenezer Scrooge's role isn't the one to bring the joke. So be, right. having someone else be just kind of the straight man helps the comedic part shine. And so he's what gives gravitas to the situation and gives it that emotional foundation and base to tie it in with. So that way you believe the rest of it. Right. And he wanted to... He said he was going to do it like the Royal Shakespeare Company. He said, I'm going to play it like these are people that I am acting with not puppets these I'm gonna play it as straight and as real as I can and I'm gonna bounce off of them and that's how this is gonna work and the only way this is gonna sell is if we do that and he said in that same interview that it's the most successful comedy he'd ever made and that he thinks it's one of the funniest things he's ever made I I can vouch for that and what I like is it kind of in a way through his performance it gets to have its cake and eat it too because then if you watch like in the beginning scenes when Scrooge is at like his most like hard-hearted and all of that Mm -hmm. that he's playing off of basically like the various like like Rizzo rats not (laughs) Rizzo actually but like yelling at them and being horrible and you get the like the character beat 
of where Scrooge is and his character and all that. But then it also was hilarious because it's Michael Caine yelling at a bunch of rat puppets. Right. And he said um, that he, the one of the funniest parts is when he's talking to the rats because he, every time he would look at them, they'd be like writing all crazy. And then they, he'd turn away and he'd do some, they'd do something crazy. And it just made him laugh so much. I can imagine because they, the Muppet crew that they're just like super inventive and then they can also do like really great improv too and that the beat when he denies them more coal for it being cold and then he's like well I'll fire you and all of that so then they start like putting on like hula skirts and singing island music that that's so absurd <laughs> and wonderful because it's just such pulls you out of like the Dickensian tale yeah which is fantastic I died. I died it's so great and <laughs> Before we kind of get into like, because we're starting kind of a plot by plot break- breakdown of this, but um, getting into just the Christmas Carol of it all, I think this is my favorite adaptation of a Christmas Carol because let's be real, the Jim Carrey mocap CGI thing is an abomination. Ugh, and, we can't even yeah. talk about that. I and the other movies having clicked with me, and so That's personally just, speaking, I my high school that I went to, they did Christmas Carol every other year. The other years they did a musical, but they did Christmas Carol in the other. So I've been in two productions of it. Freshman year, I was Mrs. Cratchit and had a great little British accent and good times, good memories. And then as far as, yeah, so that was freshman year. So then junior year, um, I was one of like the Cockney people that like, was raiding basically Scrooge's apartment and like selling his stuff and I I, I went like kind of a cross between Angela Lansbury and Dick Van Dyke and oh in, in the boy. best way <laughs> and I I just hammed it up because that that's me because I was like okay I have a little part but I'm gonna have fun with it I'm gonna go for it you have to because I I tried for Christmas past and they said no or the narrators and they said no so fun little sidebar but so it's just i've i've when you when you are in a theater production of something you have to hear it so many times so then to be in a theater production of something twice it's just christmas carol is just ingrained in me and so when it started with gons of like marley was dead and you're like oh my gosh i'm like instantly back there like backstage hearing the seniors like do the spiel in the beginning (laughs) see i i liked this one a lot of all the ones because you know we don't talk about the one so bad so i love this but it's more it's not exactly a christmas carol but it's not not a christmas carol did you ever see the movie um the man who invented christmas where it talks it shows like how Charles Dickens and what like his life was happening at this time when he wrote A Christmas Carol and why he wrote A Christmas Carol. I did not. That has Dan Stevens in it, doesn't it? Yes! And it is so good. Because if this is how Charles Dickens wrote, I mean, the dude was a little nutty. But, um... That he might have imagined Muppets. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of... That's kind of what happened, though. Like, he imagines these characters just showing up and talking to him and he's like okay and what what happens next okay 
and what about this? And it's very, if that's how he wrote, that's very interesting. And if it's not, then it was a fun little bit of, you know, entertainment. But it is, it was a very, very good movie. And it was really, really interesting. So if you want to watch a movie about Charles Dickens writing about Christmas Carol, so it's Christmas Carol without actually being Christmas Carol, I would suggest The Man Who Invented Christmas. It's so Which is good. a better Dickens portrayal, Dan Stevens or Gonzo? Oh, man, that's a good question. Because Gonzo was fantastic. He because really he's was. Gonzo the Great. Because this was in peak, like, for all of the, like, Muppet stuff in the 90s. Like, Gonzo and Rizzo were kind of like a comedy duo, and it just kind of worked. Right. Because I remember always loving Gonzo as a kid. He's the best. Because, like, it used to be of, like, just, like, the character beats was just, like, he's weird, and he has a weird thing with chickens. But, right. <laughs> speaking of slightly adult humor, but... Right. <laughs> Anywho, that kind of in that, like, 90s era of Muppets and all of that, um, this was really when like they kind of found out of like oh that pairing like Gonzo and Rizzo they they bounce off of each other really well and I think that's what's that duo and especially them narrating the whole thing is one of the best parts of the whole movie I think that's what makes it so special is that those two going back and forth it said I'm like the part where when Marley's going why do I keep saying Marley? It's not Marley. When Scrooge is going home and he starts freaking out, it's right before he finds out that he's going to be visited by three ghosts. Before he's, when he's freaking out and he's like seeing Marley everywhere and hearing things and Gonzo says something and Rizzo goes, why are you whispering? It's for dramatic emphasis. That line was so great. I love it. It, because it's not wrong. People do whisper for dramatic emphasis. Exactly. And it, it helped with, like, the narrative structure. Like, it tied everything together and kind of in between scenes. But that, once again, kind of balance. They were a good balance of the moments to have, like, the humor and the moments to be serious. So I love when, like, the Ghost of Christmas Future comes. That they're like, this is too scary. We're going to be back in the finale when it's happy. We'll be back. <laughs> Because having Gonzo and Rizzo during those scenes would totally, like, negate the seriousness and just how freaky the Ghost of Christmas feature is supposed to be. It and felt, so it's like it felt like um, like the moment that uh, that ghost popped up, I automatically thought, "Oh my God! It looks like Tom Riddle's grave from it has, Harry has Potter." Vibes. Has the vibes for sure. I wanted to say Dementor, but I said, no, no, no. This is more like the grave. More like the grave. But, like, it's impressive that they go go dark. And, like... They really do. They don't shy away from that. And then it's, like, the part where, like, Tiny Tim's dead, and they're all sad. And it's kind of really touching seeing Miss Picky, like... Get upset, yeah. Grieving a dead son. It's like, things are getting real, yo. (laughs) Yeah, because you always just see her, like, either mad or happy. And instead, she's, like, upset. And you're like, oh, my God, this is horrible. 
that's why I love the so because I did play Mrs. Cratchit at one point (laughs) that there's this whole monologue of Mrs. Cratchit's reaction when Bob is like give a toast to Scrooge and she's like raise a glass I'll like raise more and like give him peace of my mind and stuff and it's very like it's the dramatic moment that I got to have as little freshman Maddie (laughs) and but hearing like a Miss Piggy version of it where it's then like basically they're like I'm gonna kick his butt and all you know the Miss Piggy isms Mm -hmm. of it all and Frank Oz's voice work well just Frank Oz in general just legend literally I think he is a Disney legend but just we don't make those choices that he's so great and I, I've always like Miss Piggy I would say Miss Piggy Gonzo and trying to think in terms of like the third in terms of like Muppet faves but those I would say definitely are my top two. Oh yeah I mean because how do you not love Miss Piggy she's an icon she really is and we're we're dumping around a lot but that's all good that's fine so before we kind of get into like the plot stuff i'd like last thing just to touch on of like the general thing of recognizing the artistry of like the muppets and everything is seeing this also around the same time that baby yoda has taken over the world in our hearts really has and all of that real once again just shows that having an actual physical thing that is being filmed and moves and is made to show emotion and all of that that I still think that is always going to be better than a CGI creation of something yes because that very quickly goes very badly wrong like the other one breaking away from this for a very important example is if you've ever seen the twilight movies and you saw the renesmee that that abomination god i don't understand what they were thinking with that it was so bad it's so bad and you see it come on the screen and you're like oh what it's horrifying it's so horrible and so it's like that's an instance where you have all the money in the world to make a movie and you still botch that. You botch or, it really bad. Also, as far as what's come out this weekend, cats. You know what? We can't even... I, mm, there, are, there are not words. I, I, there are not. There However, are not. it has been my pastime this weekend of just reading reviews because... I think everyone got to have just like an exercise in their minds being blown. Oh yeah. And RIP to the version of Cats that came out this weekend that was not finished and because the new version is supposed to be in theaters tomorrow that fixed some of the like errors that were in there. And just as far as for listeners, if you hear a squeaky toy in the background, that is my beloved Champy. He is playing with Lamb Chop. <laughs> the little as as far as you remember the character lamb chop from back in the day yeah oh cooper yeah. has one too mm-hmm. oh very nice mm-hmm. our, our dogs are slightly similar looking so i feel like they're like distant cousins i agree i love this plan 
Yes. Because Tampa's originally from Arkansas, so it's like halfway between between us, if you will. Exactly. Yes. So they're Cooper and Champ. They're cousins. We could we could write a like animated show coming to <laughs> Disney Plus. I love it. Love it. Make it happen. But anywho, but yeah, you always believe something that's physically there. Like, because even in this movie of how much emotion is able to come across, because even like the thing that's interesting with these, like the true Muppet characters is at this point, they didn't have like any kind of articulation in the eyes at all, or like very little of like eye expression because like those are still like the plastic beads basically that it doesn't have like movement or like pupils dilating or anything like that yeah so because normally in an actor's performance the eyes is the biggest thing to kind of convey emotion and all of that but when it gets to like these really touching scenes that it can still just be like a slight head movement or just the angle of where they're being positioned and all of that that just says so much yes and i love that and I love it. And in comparison, the only thing that doesn't hold up in this movie is the one CGI element, which is the ghost of Christmas Christmas past. I just... Which Megan needs to rant about for a little bit. It's okay. I You're in a not. safe space. Um, This is a safe space. Um, it can't hurt you anymore, Megan. <laughs> it was by far the most terrifying thing I've ever experienced and I just watched It Chapter 2 last week like this was more terrifying than anything in that movie like it it's this like little it it's I I guess it's meant to look like some sort of like ghost I, I mean obviously but it's like there's no body it's just like a head with flowing hair and these floaty fabric and this floaty fabric yeah and it's it's got these like really intense blue eyes that like take up 90 percent of its face and it's like they made the ghost of christmas past a child and so then it kind of looks like a creepy doll and they made it sound like a child so it sounds creepy and like Like a little british child which can either be adorable or terrifying. terrifying and this was like really terrifying and I I think you said it best earlier where it was like a sleep paralysis dream like demon like the kind of thing you see when you are between being awake and being asleep and it just haunts you it's terrifying I might just text you in the middle of the night just oh my god don't just with a screen grab and like I was watching it with someone and we both the moment there that the ghost came out, and we were like, ah! oh my god, what is that? It's right up there with Jennifer Hudson singing Memory Like a Cat with oh, a Tom god. Hooper close-up. Ugh. I hate it. Because <laughs> especially, too, it's, it also is, it's so magnified because it's a child, because bringing it back both productions of christmas carol i've been in the christmas past is always a pretty lady and so that right. it's just like a flowing white dress and like beautiful curly hair and a lot of facial glitter and now and we have something so purely terrifying like out of someone's nightmares yes but <sighs> because everything else is either 
actual flesh and blood humans, which is okay, or endearing Muppets. And this is the one thing that doesn't fit and it's just wrong. And you just have this instant, like, it's the Chris Evans, I don't like it. Like, <clears throat> that that's just the core feeling of you're just like, no, 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 put it away. Don't like this. Don't want it. Didn't ask for it. Meanwhile, I love the Muppet for Ghost of Christmas Present. Oh my god, he was my favorite. For like an original movie character. I loved him so much. He was so jolly and happy and lovely and wonderful. And you're like, I would get visited by, I would let you visit me and haunt me a little. And I'm glad they kind of skipped over like the weird haunted children under his robe. Yeah. Yeah, because that's a beat that I always found like super creepy. Yeah. And it, it just it didn't fit with the story that they were telling here. Because I liked no. for... It also made it a little more palatable to, like, kids to show, like, he was starting to change in, like, the Christmas present phase. So it wasn't until... Because a lot of times in Christmas Carol, it literally is to the final point that he sees the grave that he's like, okay, I'll be a good person. Right. With this, you, like you got to see the progression of like each scene that he was because basically the past stuff just broke him and then it was each present thing helped him like be better right and i love that song about like having the christmas spirit and how it's supposed to last all year round and oh i loved that one okay this is a good time to get into the songs oh yeah oh yeah the opening song i it's perfect that's what a good muppet song is oh yeah it's fantastic both this and Muppet Treasure Island have the opening numbers that just like set the tone and set the mood are perfection oh yeah and it's probably going to be stuck in my head like all day long but what I love is even though it's like it's snazzy and fun that it still basically gets it just catches you up to speed of like who this character is and that way it helps the audience get on board easier oh and yeah so it's like fun and entertaining but it still serves the story and it serves it well megan are you still there or do i need to vamp okay we're vamping and so <laughs> you can you can just go on all you want about it no so i just i really love that number in that you have like the core Muppet people that show up throughout but then a lot of just kind of like background things that are original specifically for that like the little mice and like just having the various animals as villagers and stuff that it's it's what I like about the Muppets is those kind of numbers they just they make me happy oh yeah I'm gonna look up the soundtrack because they had it was just so good it was so good like you said like i liked that scrooge set it, it took up a second i had to remember what the in the like past sequences what the old boss was named because it's in the real book it's fezzy wig but they made yeah. it fuzzy wig fuzzy wig <laughs> i loved that which i'm like clever right i loved that and then i liked um i liked kermit's one more sleep till christmas yes so because it's one of those when like for a lot of these things where like the big main character has the least amount of personality generally speaking yeah and so it's like how you know 
Mickey Mouse doesn't have as big of a personality compared to like Goofy, you know, right? Or just other main Disney animated characters. But as far as Kermit, you know, is just kind of like the put upon, like lead guy who's just just trying his best. But right, like he, I actually like that he kind of does take like a supporting role in this movie because usually he is the lead in all of the Muppet movies. But I mean, he's Kermit. But Bob Cratchit was actually like kind of like the perfect match for that. That because then. Michael Caine does give a lot of heart to it, but he does. But so does Kermit. He does when he's like, uh, when he says it's when in the future when he says, um, you know, he would have liked the church, and I was like, (laughs) and talking about the ducks on the river, and you're just like, oh my gosh, too good, because. Because I'm so familiar with the story, I just get cynical when talking about, like, Tiny Tim and stuff and the emotional beats because also it was, like, my friends playing those characters, so then you just kind of make fun of it. But you're like, no, Tiny Tim is actually, like, precious and it's very symbolic of just the, like, disenfranchised who just sometimes the world and its cruelness kind of give a bad hand to you know right right and then i you know what else what other song i really liked um it feels well like we said it feels like christmas which is the ghost of christmas present song and then i liked the uh the whole last one where they're all singing and they're all walking through yes. the street singing. Michael Caine has a musical number and it's delightful. Right. And he even said he was like, I didn't know I could sing until then. And it makes it just a fun surprise. It, it was surprising for all of us. Absolutely. And I, I was enjoying it. I did. Sorry, I'm taking care of the dog. It's okay. He's so cute. Like, he's Muppet-level cute. I feel the same way about Cooper. It's okay. But, yeah. I was actually generally surprised. I'm like, he's actually... Michael Caine's actually singing very well. I know, which I did not see coming. That... Honestly, I think I might add this to, like, my regular Christmas rotation. I support that. Because, and this is kind of what I like about, like, this series that, like, the whole point of this podcast and about Disney Plus as a platform itself is there are so many titles that you haven't watched in, like, a really long time. And so getting familiar with again that, you know, it's kind of fun to rediscover these things and, like, have that back in your life, you know? Oh, no, totally. I would not have been able to go hard about the Lizzie McGuire outfit last week without it. No, absolutely, because otherwise it's super hard to find and something like this that you're that you have like nostalgic fondness for but not entirely sure that you're wanting to like buy it or anything like that. But right. This gives you as far as the regular easy access to, hey, let's try that again. And what do you know? It's great. 
it is it's it just ma- so much fun it's just it's so it makes you feel good on the inside it does you know i do and i like that it makes me happy and then now i'm like really excited to like watch other muppet titles and yes that totally going to get into it because it is an art form unto itself but you know you just need some wholesome fun it is though it is like a whole thing because you have these people right these actors who some of them like kermit miss piggy they're doing like four characters yeah because then have they i'm trying to remember because you probably watch more muppet movies than myself do they feature the kids as far as because they know robin the frog is like a regular feature in a lot of things but i feel like the like the little miss piggies they i haven't seen them in something before because it, it was actually really funny having like the two daughters be basically just like her oh my and god so when when miss K- piggy's being so sassy basically having like the ahas behind you <laughs> i thought that was one of the funniest things ever when they were just giving it right back to her it was one of the best parts of those ce- of that scene specifically miss piggy an icon we stand. I mean, you. it doesn't get better than Miss Piggy, though. It really doesn't. And so would you recommend for people to go revisit A Muppet Christmas Carol? I would. I think it's a great Christmas. I mean, because A Christmas Carol is a Christmas staple. Let's be real. It's a classic. It is. It's culture. It's, it's culture. Exactly. As Gonzo says. And it's imp- it is part of the whole christmas universe it's one of you know it's successful for this long for a reason you know everyone likes the tale of redemption everyone likes um you know the family happy aspect of it all and it's had it's had this long-standing power it's heartwarming right and you know i think this is a fantastic adaptation that and I think just kind of what draws people to well the story is great it's classic and timeless but then adding the Muppets to it that I know I've kind of been saying it the whole time but it's like the perfect blend of like silly and serious that it is like just great quality entertainment but it's also not afraid to get silly every now and then either and so that it just it is what it is and unapologetically and that like the jokes didn't age or anything like that that like age badly that it was just rewatching it now is almost the same feeling as like rewatch or watching it for the first time and so and see i think that's was an important point for you to make earlier where you said they didn't make them specific the jokes were not pop culture specific so they didn't age they didn't they weren't specific to a specific time so it could be made today and they could use the same jokes because there's like there's the and it's a variation so there's pratfall shtick there's sarcasm there's hyperbole that it's a wide variety of comedy and everyone kind of each character and each Muppet performer kind of gets to bring their own skill set and 
like their tool belt as a performer to really shine in each of the roles. And so highly recommend Muppet Christmas Carol. Also recommend as far as all the other Muppet things that are available on Disney Plus, we will be talking about them for a while. Um, this episode we just wanted to do a little bit short because it's almost a Christmas and um, like we're saying, in retail, your girl is tired. Like, yeah, we're almost there. And so thank you so much for our Christmas themed stuff. We will be getting into a lot more um, after as far as after the new year in 2020. It sounds like the future, but it's really just like two weeks away. And, and so, the most important thing is that it's baby Yoda. Baby Yoda is coming. So we are going to be talking about the Mandalorian next. And we are may have a special guest so stay tuned to that thanks again so much for listening to the once upon a time not once upon a time once upon a stream <laughs> it's it's retail I, it's- i'm so tired i can't even remember my own podcast name <laughs> that's where we're at right now and so um go find us on apple podcasts where you can review those five stars help our visibility you've heard a podcast outro before probably totally so you, you know you know what to do appreciate it that can be our our christmas present merry christmas and happy holidays and from both of us and we will get into a lot more magical things in 2020 so bye bye yeah it's okay i mean it's